Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'm glad to be a part of a victorious church. I'm glad to be on the winning side. I'm glad to know that there's a victor's crown waiting for me. And not for me only, but for all those that love his appearing. Amen. I never liked losing. I never got used to it, and I'm not about to get used to it now. Amen. Amen. John chapter 8, verse number 32. And you shall know the truth. Aren't you glad for truth? And the truth shall make you free. And verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I hope you have a love for the truth. I hope you appreciate it. You buy it and you never sell it. Buy the truth and sell it not. Now today, I'm gonna preach a message I wanna preach. I'm gonna preach to you about the parable of a football player. Are there any people in the house that like football? Might be a few. Well, today's your day. Parable of a football player. God bless you, you may be seated. Jesus spent a lot of time preaching in parables. He would speak to a farmer and he would say, I'm gonna tell you about the parable of the sower. I'm gonna show you what the seed represents and what the soils represent and and what the end results of being a farmer are spiritually because spiritually we all need to be farmers. He would speak to fishermen and he would do the same thing and on and on and on it goes. So a few weeks ago the Lord spoke to me and said, what about everybody's talking about the Packers right now? Packers are doing pretty good, aren't they? In case you don't live in Wisconsin. They are 6-0, and and they play a 6-0 and team tonight at 7.30, and there'll probably be very little traffic on the roads about 7.30 tonight. Big, big game against Denver. But I, I'm going to take and illustrate to you a football player so that you can relate to being a Christian. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, he made every one of us free agents. The cost of sin is death. All have sinned. If you can say amen, that'd be good. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Jesus paid that price with his death. You got to be a free agent. You get to sign with whatever team you want to sign with. But I want to warn you, there's only two teams. There's either God or Satan. Now they may, Satan may disguise himself and make you think that he's not evil, but he is. And it's all a bunch of smoke. But we became free agents. Take a look here at Matthew 6 and 24. Now, no man can serve two masters, 
For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he will cleave to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. No man can serve two masters. God will not allow you to serve him and Satan. And neither will Satan allow you to serve him and God. And if you love one, you're going to hate the other. So I got some really bad news for you today. People that don't love God hate you. They despise your morality. They despise your truth. They despise your faith. They hate you. Don't be surprised when people pick it against God and against Christianity. They're on the wrong side. That's to be expected. They hate you. Don't be shocked by that. And don't return it either. Don't return it either. But you only get to serve on one team. I've, uh, I've been raised watching the Packers. I can remember that the Packers never played till 1 p.m. You know why? Because church didn't get out till noon and people had to have a chance to get home and have their TV dinner for the one o'clock game. And they only played one game. They played at one o'clock. Everybody played at one o'clock central time. And that was the only game. There was no late games unless they played on the West Coast. There was no Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football. There was none of that. It was just Sunday afternoon. And everybody watched the Packer game. One o'clock usually was the time they played. And their greatest rival was always the Bears. Do you know that the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers are the oldest rivalry in the NFL. This has been going on for eons. And Packer fans don't like Bear fans. And Bear fans don't like Packer fans. Because you can't serve both. You're either one or the other. You're either green and gold or you're blue and orange. That's just the way it is. But here's another thing for you to consider. John chapter 15 says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it, be given it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Now I said at first we came out as free agents because of Calvary. Now I bring another thought to you. You've been drafted. You didn't choose God initially, he chose you. He began to work on your life. He used other people to pray for you. He used other people to be a witness to you, teach you a Bible study, give you an invitation to church because he chose you and he was trying to bring you out because he wanted to make you a draft choice. A draft choice. I thought about this. I've, I've only known really one person in my whole life that I went to school with that played in the NFL. His name was John Matusik. He was a year older than me and 
at Oconomowoc High School, and it's the only one I ever knew. You may be the best player on your high school team, maybe even in your conference. You could go on to college and be a star in your college and still never be drafted. But to be drafted, to be chosen by one of 32 NFL teams, well, that's really rare. And if there's seven rounds, well, you do the math. Not very many people get drafted in any one year. I got to thinking, who am I? Maybe you'll think the same way. Who are you? Out of five and a half billion people on the face of the earth, how is it that you get drafted? How many apostolic Pentecostals are there in the world that know this apostolic truth? This message of baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins. This infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. How few are we in this entire great world of five and a half billion people? And who are you? And who am I? To get drafted. Makes you think, doesn't it? But just because we're drafted, it means we have potential. But we haven't produced anything just by being drafted. There are first round draft choices that have been busts. They haven't made it, they've been cut. They had potential. They were great in college. They didn't cut it. They didn't make it. You see, God wants production. I had another thought, too. You know, I, I'm not even a first-round draft choice. I learned this early when I was, first started pastoring in Oconomowoc. We had a guy, his name was Paul. Just give you his first name. And, and Paul would come and sit in the back of the church and he always came after the preaching started. He must have figured out what time the preacher would get in the pulpit. And he would, he would come right after the preaching started and he would leave as soon as the pastor would get up and make the altar call. I could never catch this guy. And I wanted to get him. So one Sunday morning, I had somebody else make the altar call and I snuck around the back and I caught him. And this is the story that Paul told me. I said, hey, I'd like to introduce myself. He said, my name is Paul. Years ago, there was a circuit preacher that came through Oconomowoc, actually rode a horse, would come and preach revival services. You know what? He preached the same message that you're preaching. And I was baptized in Jesus' name, and I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And now I've got a small group of people that gather in my home and, and, and we have services. And matter of fact, we have a prayer meeting tomorrow night. Ah, since you caught me, why don't you come to our prayer meeting tomorrow night? Meet with the men that I meet with. I thought, well, that's a good opportunity. I'll do that. So the next night we had prayer meeting. He said, we usually meet for about an hour. We meet in my home and, and we got in there and we had our Bibles and 
we got ready to pray and everybody found a place to pray and knelt down and everybody prayed apostolic. We were all praying out loud. It wasn't any meditation service. It was, we were just all praying out loud, but it only lasted five minutes. And pretty soon the only voice I heard was my own and I thought that was strange. So I turned around and looked and they were all sitting in their chairs. That was the end of the prayer meeting. And so I thought, well, it's, Okay, so I sat in my chair. One guy leaned over and pointed his finger at me and said, so tell us what you believe. So I began to tell him what I believed and before I even got done with point one, they were arguing with me. And I, I felt like I was in the midst of a wolf pack and I was the meat. And I looked over at Paul and he had this grin on his face. It didn't last much longer and I realized I didn't belong there so I said, fellas, I really don't think I belong here so I'm gonna leave. I grabbed my Bible, I headed for the door but before I got to the door, God said, stop. There's something I want you to say. So I stopped and he said, turn toward Paul and speak. And I turned toward Paul and this is what I spoke, Paul, God told me that you were his first pick. He wanted you to establish a church in this community. And because you wouldn't do it, he sent me. And now you're gonna get to see what could have been yours and what God could have done with you. And I left. That was it. And I realized that day that I was not a first round draft pick of God. <laughs> but you know what? I don't care if I'm first round, 50th round, 80th round. Long as I get picked, that's all that matters to me, that I'm on the team, that I get to be a part of this team. That's all that matters. folks. Don't worry about who's got the most talent, the most potential, the most ability. You, you think they're better than you are and, and that they're promoted. But hey, just be glad you're on the team. Find your place on the team. Give your energy to the team. Be involved and love the team. Love the team. Do you know that Gentiles were not the first choice? The Jews were. You can think of it even this way. The church is a second round draft choice. But he loves the church and the gates of hell. Oh. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll build my church. I'll build this team. This is mine. I own this. I paid for this. Oh, I'm glad to be a part of this team. I'm glad to be a part of this team. And let me talk to the youth too. First Timothy chapter four and verse 12 says this, let no man despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in the word, in your conversation, in your charity, that means giving, in your spirit, in your faith and in your purity. 
This is not the next generation. This is the now generation. They're already here. So be an example. Be involved. Don't wait. Well, I have to wait till I get old, till I graduate from high school or college or until I get married. No, the time is now. The time is now. Don't waste your youth. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Now, if you get drafted on this team, you're going to have to know your playbook. You're going to have to, I know some coaches say, you take the playbook home with you and you put it under your pillow. Because the first thing every morning and the last thing every night, you need to be in the playbook. When we call this number, you need to know where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. Now the quarterback, he's got a bit more difficult job. He's got to know where everybody's supposed to be. But the wide receiver has one responsibility. Know who you're supposed to block or what route you're supposed to run and exactly how many steps you're supposed to take before you make your cut. But you better know your playbook because if you go right and he throws left, it's an interception. We gotta know our playbook. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible is our playbook. The Bible is our playbook. We need to know the truth. We need to know the word. We need to know what God is asking us to do. We need to know the plays. We need to show up for practice. Thank you to all of you that came to morning prayer this morning. Thank you to all of you that come and practice and get ready for Sunday school. And I know the teachers are gone, but people that come to choir and musicians and praise teams, all that come early and practice, practice, practice. Thank you. Thank you for practicing. You know how you get to be a great prayer warrior? Unlike Allen Iverson, practice, practice, practice. An NFL game in one week lasts 60 minutes. How many hours are spent in practice? Practice before a game. You learn how to work with your teammates. I not only need to know my job, I need to know the job of the person next to me. I need to know who he's gonna block so that I know who I'm supposed to block. And if my guy slips and falls, I can help him. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And by the way, there's a thing called special teams. Special teams. When we punt the ball or we receive the ball, kickoffs, kick returns, we, we have what we call special teams. Where people that are even starters are required to either block or tackle. And special teams can win or lose a game too. One kickoff return, one punt return, 
one botched punt, one blocked punt, one blocked extra point. Any of those things fail and the whole team loses because of special teams. Have a wedding, have an auction, have a major church event. What's it gonna take for it to be a success? Special teams. Well, I'm a musician. I do not set up tables or chairs. That's not me. Oh yes it is. You're on this team and it's called special teams. Special events. Pitch in. Piece of paper on the floor. Not my job. We got people to take care of that. Special teams. Visitors come to the house of God. I'm a home Bible study teacher. Now you're a greeter. Greet somebody. Introduce yourself. Special teams. Be willing to play any position at any time, whatever's needed for the success of the team. Somebody say amen. I know this is not deep, but it's important, folks. You see something needs to be done. God brought that to your attention so you could get involved in it. Let somebody else do it. No, it's our responsibility. This is our house. Oh, by the way, I'm glad for all of you that have a heart for the house and for your willingness to to support Heart for the House on a monthly or annual basis. Thank you for turning those cards in. Very shortly we'll have a total and our goal is over $10,000. We're a little short right now, but I know you'll be a part of special teams. Well, I tithe, I don't, I don't give offerings. Why not? Has God been good to you? Has God blessed you? Can God speak to you about a need? Can he tell you what your role and your responsibility in this endeavor is? Worked pretty well for Cornelius, didn't it? Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. God brought salvation to his house and to his family. Special teams. You have to be willing to earn your spot on this team too. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5 says, Watch thou in all things. Keep an eye out. Look around. Endure afflictions. Anybody ever hurt you? Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. You don't need a minister's license to be a minister. You just need to prove your ministry. You just need to produce. Well, I've got great potential. I'm handsome, I speak well, I've got, I'm smart. Potential. Where's the production? Where's the fruit of your labor? Prove your ministry. I came to know this. There's not only special teams, there's, there's second and third string too. I don't know if you read the sports section, but I do. 
And you can read the sports section and see where it says this is the starter and this is his backup. It will list 53 players for tonight's game. 53. There are 11 starters on defense and there are 11 starters on offense. That's 22 players. What are the other 31 going to do? They're going to play special teams. They're going to play second or third string. They're going to be ready to step in at a moment's notice in case somebody gets injured. They're going to do what they've been trained and asked to do. And just because they're not a starter, they're just one play away from being one. One play. And there are people that are going to make mistakes in the family of God. And they're going to lose out with God. Some are going to fall into the sin of adultery or pornography or other types of sins. Some are going to make, one day make a choice and say, I declare myself a free agent again. And they're going to go to the other side. And you're going to be trained and you're going to be prepared to step right into their place so that this team can continue to be victorious. I'm not a starter. Put the jersey on. Cheer for your teammates. Be ready to go in at a moment's notice. Know your job. Know your responsibility, whether you're second or third string. Matthew 22 and 14 says, many are called. Few are chosen. And I already read to you that he chose you. I noticed this in case you didn't. In the preseason, every NFL team is allowed to have 90 men in camp. 90 men. I've already told you that they will be able to keep 53, 22 starters, 31 backups, seven to nine players on a practice squad. And if anybody gets injured, and this will preach too, if anybody gets injured, they can go on injured reserve, which means this player is a part of our team, but they're hurt. They can't play right now. We're gonna get them what they need and we're gonna rehab them and we're gonna bring them back to this team next year. They're coming back, even though they're injured currently. Will anybody preach with me today? People get injured on this team. They get hurt. I remember seeing Jordy Nelson. He's just running a simple route. Nobody hit him. Just turns and down he goes. Who could have predicted that? Who caused that? Just a fluke. Not going to play all year. We're not cashing in our chips because one player goes down. Somebody else is going to have to step up. McCarthy calls it next man up. Be ready to be the next man up. Be ready to be the next man up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25. There should be no division in the body, but the members should have the same care 
one for another. Whether one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. One member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. You're the body of Christ. You're the members in particular. You know what I like to see? I like to see somebody that made a mistake, fumbled the ball, have one of his teammates come up and put his arm around him, say, hey, it's okay. We'll get him. We're with you. We still believe in you. He's already down. He feels terrible. I let the whole team down. I put the ball on the ground. The other team now possesses it, and it's all my fault. He doesn't need somebody to beat him up. He knows he did wrong. He needs his teammates to come around him and say, we're going to get it back for you. We're in this thing together. We're on the same team. Next time it might be you that drops the ball, that misses a block, and somebody gets creamed. And you're going to hope that somebody comes to you and says, hey, man, happens to us all. We'll get it back. We'll get this ball back. Do you know what? I'm going to share this with you, too. I hope this isn't too much for you in one day, but this has been boiling in me for a while. No game is ever won or lost, you remember this, with one play. It's not true. Well, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. On the last play of the game, this guy batted the ball away and we won our sixth game. No, that one play didn't save your game. How many times did you fumble the ball, throw interceptions, miss blocks, drop passes, miss tackles, run the wrong angle to make a tackle. All of those things contributed to the winning or losing of the game. Any one of those events, the defender had a chance to intercept the ball, but he dropped it. And everybody forgets it because it wasn't in the last two minutes of the game. Those events add up, folks over the course of the game. And it's not just one play. And it's not just one player. Sorry if I repeat myself, that's the advantage of being old. (laughs) But Paul Horning won the Heisman Trophy at Notre Dame. He was the first round draft choice of the Green Bay Packers. He was hot stuff. He was handsome, the girls liked him, and he was good. So one day, at practice in his first season, Lombardi is calling plays and running people in and out, and Horning all of a sudden decides, I'm a first-round draft choice. I won the Heisman Trophy. I want a drink of water. I'm going to get a drink of water. Lombardi didn't call for a break, but Horning decided to take one. So you know what Lombardi did? He walked over to the offensive huddle and he said, now on the next play, Horning will get the ball and nobody will block. 
And then he walked over to the defense and he said, on the next play, Horning will get the ball, nobody will block, and I will see 11 bodies on top of Horning. (laughs) Yes, sir. Horning got the ball and he got a team picture of the Packer defense, all converging on him. And that's what Horning was doing right there. And then Lombardi came up and leaned over Horning and he said, hey, you think you need those other 10 guys now? Because you ain't nothing without them. You, are you hearing what I'm saying today? You ain't nothing without him and without us. You ain't nothing. See, we have a mission. We have a goal. We have an objective. And Jesus declared it in Luke 19 and 10. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's his mission. You want a mission statement? That's it. Seek and save that which is lost. Jesus also said, and it could be said of us, this is what I want you to get. If Jesus, if this is Jesus' team, he's the owner, somebody say amen. amen. He's the king, not the president. He's the king of kings. He oversees every facet of the operation. He puts people in and he takes people out. And if he anoints us to be a part of this team, then what he said in Luke chapter four and verse number 18 applies to us. And I'm gonna read it that way for your benefit. The spirit of the Lord is upon you because he hath anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent you to heal the brokenhearted. He hath sent you to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. And he sent you to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's your job, your responsibility. And the anointing of the Lord is upon those that have received his spirit. That's his seal. We are sealed, the Bible says, with that Holy Spirit of promise. You are anointed, you are ordained of God, you have a mission, and you have a purpose. That's why Christians are so happy. They now know that they've got a reason for living. I'm not just here to make up, to make money and to take up time and space. I've got a mission. I've got a purpose. It burns inside of me. My greatest moments, my most thrilling moments are teaching home Bible studies, not preaching sermons. 
I know that's necessary. I know that's a part of my responsibility. But that one-on-one seeking and saving that which is lost, that binding up of the brokenhearted, looking into somebody's eyes and seeing there's nothing there. They're empty. They're afraid. They're lost. And knowing that God ordained me to be a part of this team and anointed me to minister to that kind of a person gives me a thrill. It's my high. Oh, the thrill of victory. Oh, sure, there's some losses. I've I've thrown my share of interceptions. I've dropped the ball. I've never on purpose. But we all make mistakes, don't we? But if the coach says, get back in there, you get back in there. You f- they say the difference between a winner and a loser is that a winner can forget when he lost and a loser can't. I gotta forget the previous play. I threw an interception. The guy scored a touchdown. Boo-hoo. That's over. I can't take that back. They're not gonna take seven points off the board because I cry. There is no crying in football. I like what Brother Arnold said. He said, guy came up to him and said, hey, Brother Arnold, Spend a lot of time praying for the sick. Yes, sir. He said, what do you do when you pray for somebody and they don't get healed? He said, well, I just say, next. I don't heal anybody. I'm just anointed, and if God wants to use me to heal somebody, well, then it's God through me. It's not me. So what's next? What's next? God, what do you want me to do next? Folks, we have have great ownership. We do. We've got great ownership. Jesus Christ owns this team. And here's something else for you to think about. This, This Green Bay Packers, they are the smallest city in the NFL. And look at all the championships. You ought to stick your chest out. I'm from Wisconsin. Now don't get your nose too high, you might drown. I'm from Wisconsin. Oh, I don't live that far from Green Bay. That's what Packer fans do. And Packer fans will endure too. They will sit out in the cold No matter what the weather, somebody preach with me now. They and their team are going to show up. Fans will pay an excessive amount for parking, tickets, meals, memorabilia, clothing. They embarrass the church with the amount of money that they spend on a Sunday compared to what we do. And they come dressed like they've come to a football game. And they shout and they yell and they have a great time. That's all fine and good. But folks, I'm talking to the church today. 
We don't need any fans. We need some players. We are on the recruiting trail. I am a scout. (laughs) So are you. Who knows who the next star is going to be? They might not even get drafted. They might just be free agents. You know, some people never even get drafted and they play as free agents. Somebody takes a chance on them. Jesus took a chance on you. Aren't you glad he did? Aren't you glad to be on a championship team? David, David, are you up there? That last song that Brother Bauer, oh, Sister Hickey's up there now, thank you. That last song, I I like that last song, The Victor's Crown. I'd like you to pull that up, and Missy, if if you'd uh, please come to the keyboard. I'm gonna change the words in this song a little bit, okay? I think you got my message, so I think I can probably quit. Let's stand together. We need team unity. We need to support one another. Last song, Victor's Crown, hallelujah. The part that says hallelujah, let's see. There it is. That one right there, that was it. Can you bring that back? I wanna change the words on this, if you don't mind, just for today to make my final point. If Jesus is the owner and leader of this team and the ministry and pastors, they're just part of the coaching staff, well then we overcome together. Hallelujah! I know that Jesus has overcome and you do too and we should be excited about that. But you know what, if we're on the same team as he is, then we overcome too. So let's change the words. Wherever you see you in the next two parts here, there's a part after this that we're gonna sing to, I would like you to put we, okay? Can we try it that way? Wherever you see you, change it to we. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.